So feel free to open your Bibles with me if you'd like. Just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Thanks, Steph. Hello again, everybody. Um, Let me tell you, if you're following along tonight in your fitness passport, um, things might get a little bit strange. I'm going to be looking at the same verses that are here, but the titles are a little bit different because this was around uh, the talk Robin did this morning. Uh, Robin's not with us this evening. A really great opportunity for him to meet with some other senior ministers and strengthen one another and share ideas with one another to continue to grow as disciples and as leaders. So you might keep him in your prayers this week, which is really great. But God knows I'm not to be trusted all by myself. So when one boss boss leaves, my old boss comes back. Would you welcome Ian Barnett, who's sitting over there somewhere? Hello, old boss. 
Uh, Ian's with us tonight um, with the Grandparents Conference, and so if you're a grandparent, or you have grandparents, or you know grandparents, stop by the stall. He's got some merch there, and some bits and pieces. can take your inquiries, and you can learn all about grandparenting and grandparenting conferences. But let me jump to the other end of the spectrum, from grandparent senior world into teenage world, and into teenage shame. Now, I don't know what it's like for you if you're a teenager or for you remembering your teenage years as I am now, but as I was coming through my teens working out who I was going to be and what I wanted to be and how I wanted to be, my body was one of the things I was thinking about and I thought, what, what, what is this body that I'm growing into? And I came up with a vision for my body. It's weird. My vision was I had a dream of having a disgusting body. I would like it, but I wanted it to be disgusting. Why disgusting? Well, I was was into fitness and stuff like that. I was a a sprint cyclist at the time and did some gym and stuff like that. I wanted a body that would be visually striking. When I say visually striking, I was happy to hear, because I was training in Western Sydney in Maryland, I was happy for the gym bros to be like, hey, you there, how much do you squat, bro? I was happy for that. But what I really wanted was to walk down the street in shorts and have old ladies see my legs rippling with muscle and with veins and for them to be like, that's disgusting. That was the dream, to have a body that would disgust every person at the grandparents' conference. And because I was a cyclist, not only did I want to be visually striking and disgusting, I kind of started to delight in being disproportionate. Because all the heroes I looked at, they all looked like pears. They had these big legs and smaller upper bodies. And it was disproportionate. And my dream was to be disproportionate as well. I wanted to be a visually striking, disgusting, disproportionate bike rider. Years went by and I moved out of bike riding and into the world of bodybuilding and I started to learn about proportion. So this is me in 2008, just for your, for your lols. <laughs> now my wife is smiling, but if you were to ask her a little bit about this season of my life, she hated it. And as I look back on it, I hate it too. And in fact, we have an agreement, and I actually spoke to the Archbishop, previous, previous Archbishop, one time and said, if you ever hear Shane Dirks' bodybuilding again, take my license away and burn it. Because whilst, okay, let's get, let's get rid of that now, Greg. Because whilst I'd learned proportion, and maybe to the judges my body was good, I was ugly on the inside. Because man, I was so self focused. My world revolved around the next meal because I was always hungry. My world revolved around the next gym session because I've got to get bigger, bro. And my world revolved around, well, I hated cardio, but you still got to do it. That was the dream I had for my body, but God also has a dream for his body and his body is his church. His dream for building the body beautiful is similar and different to mine. God also has a dream that his body, the body of Christ, that is you, will be visually striking. That when you look at it, no one's going to say, hey, do you even lift? They're going to know that you're spiritual. God's dream 
for his body is that it won't be disproportionate, but that it will be proportionate. And God's dream for his body, built beautifully, is that it won't be self-focused, but the body will be beautiful when the body is about the body to the glory of Christ. So here's where we're going tonight. The big idea is this, and it'll be on the screen for you. Jesus gives us a picture of his body built beautifully. He gives us a picture, a vision, words that shape out for us what the body of Christ, his church, will look like when it's truly beautiful and it's way better than a teenage Shane Dirks' dreams, let me tell you. So here's the first thing. God, like teenage Shane, dreams that the body will be visually striking. God is thinking about visually striking spirituality. So what is visually striking spirituality? What is the sign that someone is truly spiritual? This is kind of revision for us because we know it well, but let's find it in the passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says this, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, this is a comprehensive idea. You think of baptism, and maybe you've seen ministers up here doing a little sprinkle, sprinkle thing. This is beyond water. The word baptize is really well visualized by thinking of the Titanic. To baptize means more than to dip or to immerse. It means to overwhelm and to drown, We have been drowned and overwhelmed and fully consumed in the Spirit of God. He has possessed us. And he has also been given us to drink. The very breath of God surrounds us and the very breath of God is in our lungs. So we pour out our praise as we sing from time to time. But God has done this, and because he has made us spiritual in this way, filled us with his Holy Spirit and surrounded us with his Holy Spirit, we have learned already in this series that the Spirit teaches us to confess Jesus is Lord. We've, we've learned that every week through this three-week series. This comes up early in 1 Corinthians, that nobody says Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. The beauty of the reminder in verse 13 is that it teaches true spirituality, the striking sign of the body of Christ being spiritual, is that it's a unified confession of a diverse people. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, old or young, rich or poor, black or white, whatevs, a unified confession of a diverse people. You see, for us today, and in the church of Corinth, there's a danger. There's a danger that we might seek a simple culture with a complex ministry, rather than a complex culture with a simple ministry. What does that mean? I mean, for Corinth and for us, sometimes we're seeking our crew. The people who are like me, hey, let's keep it simple in here. People are like me, a simple culture. And for the, those at Corinth, and maybe for us from time to time, and what should the ministry be like? Sensational. Supernatural and wonderful. Amazing, blow your mind type stuff. 
the church at Corinth wrestled with an infatuation with simple culture, complex ministry. Rather than complex culture, some of you are slaves, some of you are free, some of you are Jews, some of you are Gentiles, some of you are wise, some of you are not, some of you are landowners, some of you are poor. But you came together around one simple confession. Nothing fancy, nothing eloquent, but the confession that Jesus is Lord, that united you all as you were given one spirit to drink and were immersed and drowned and overwhelmed in what that spirit declares, which is that Jesus is Lord. It's my guess that sensational ministry is not a super big danger for us, but I'm going to put it on our radar that we'll be aware of it. But maybe simple culture is a danger for us from time to time. I'm not saying this to embarrass anybody. But every church I've ever been a part of believes that life groups are an important thing. And we do that too. Let's say you want to join a life group. It's a weird thing that happens in our culture where when we join life groups, we almost want them made to measure. You want to join a life group? Yes, please. What day would you like? I would like Wednesday. What people would you like? I would like females. How old would you like females to be? They need to be in my time of life, 19 to 23. And I want them to all own a black poodle. Okay, I've gone too far. In the ancient church, you just turned up. Complex culture. Simple ministry. Now again, I'm not saying that to embarrass us. Is it a wrong thing that we have the congregational dateline running down the bottom of this, down the middle of this room? Although, good on you guys, there's a few more older faces here, but this is definitely, yeah, this is the fill in the blank yourself, Al. I'm seeing something different. You name it. Is that a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's a be aware of it thing. Because should we move to a space where, hey, I only do it with my people, I only church with my crew, my age, my stage, my way, my race, my gender, my worldview, then maybe we've fallen into that significant danger of desiring simple, simple culture and maybe sensational ministry to keep us interested. But Paul reminds us in this book, not just this chapter, complex culture, simple ministry. Jesus is Lord. He actually speaks through this passage in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of remembering it's Jesus that's at the center. This is what the Spirit is pointing towards. He's pointing towards Jesus. And so as we think in this series of building the body and think of spiritual gifts, one of the most significant things we must, must and must, and that's why we've spoken about it every week, remember, what is the most significant sign, the visually striking sign of spirituality? The confession that Jesus is Lord. And when that confession has taken a hold of the Christian and directs their life, there is nothing greater. And that was made very plain to me by the first person who discipled me when I was 16 and started following Jesus. His name was Roy, and I'll be eternally grateful for him. I remember Roy uh, and myself and some others used to meet for a Bible study and uh, we got more and more into this, and time went by. I must have been, I don't know, 17 or 18, and Roy said to me one day, you know, Shane, 
maybe one day you should think about ministry. He said, because it's pretty evident, his words, not mine. It's pretty evident amongst your peers, you've got influence. You're a leader. It's sort of just come naturally. You do things and people come with. And when we study the Bible, you get it pretty quickly. You seem to pick up these concepts. So there's some gifting there. And 17, 18-year-old me is like inflating with this. Yes, so you follow me. Yes, I am the theologian. He said, so you've got these gifts. You're a leader. You understand the Bible. You seem to be able to articulate the Bible. But you're a jerk. His words were words I shouldn't use here, but let's say he said you're a jerk. He said, you're just in a mad, passionate love affair with yourself. Maybe one day, should your character mature under God, you should pursue this, but not before. Such a gift. He slowed me down. Sometimes there's a, come on, go faster, go faster. He slowed me down. He's like, yeah, you're gifted up to wazoo. Who cares? Your character's rubbish. Let's let that confession, that conviction you have, start to percolate down. Let's see you baptized in the Spirit. Let's see you drinking the Spirit. Let's see the good confession you've made take hold of every part of your character. He wasn't asking me to be Jesus or be perfect. But he said, let's get those roots down before we stretch out the branches too far. And I'm grateful that... uh, these many, many, many more years than I care to share later, I continue to hear his voice in my head. Sure, I love to grow in my capacity, but Roy's voice always stays in my head going, how's the godliness going, Shane? How are the roots? Are they going down deep? Do they spread further than the branches? I love that our church's vision starts not with successful, adventurous, compassionate. It's faithful, adventurous, compassionate. The success, well, that's God's business. Only he can put flesh on dead bones. The faithfulness, that is something he's empowered us to always pursue, to always pursue. Control the controllables. Success is not always in your control. Faithfulness always is in your control. I love that people taught me over the years that competency, our gifting, how skilled we are, Those things matter. But competency, they taught me, is cradled in conviction and character. Conviction comes first. This is the most spiritual thing there is. Jesus is Lord. And when that conviction is sound and true, it shapes the person I am and adjusts my character. And under the Holy Spirit, whom I've been baptized in and caused to drink, I am conformed to the likeness of Jesus, which is just wild. And then I pursue. And so I'm reminded again of Roy, who told me, get your character sorted. I'm reminded of Roy, who, in a sermon at the church I was at, told us all, and it stayed with me, and I'll share it with you, that we are not after the most talented people. We are after the most godly leaders. Talent matters. Godliness is essential. We weren't baptized into talent school. We weren't baptized and given to drink skills and amazing stuff. We were baptized into the Spirit who conformed us to the likeness of Christ. 
step one in building the body and examining gifts. Examine the good confession you've made and has it shaped character. For this is the finest spiritual gift Paul tells us we can have. Okay, second. You know what I love about God? He never skips leg day. Right? Some people who love to go to the gym and build the body, they're like, get huge, you really big. And tiny little legs, they skip leg day. They're out of proportion. But God never skips leg day. God is a God who loves proportion. And he's blessed his whole church. And so uh, a gift was left for you earlier today. You may have found it already. There should be a chocolate under your seat. Would you reach down (laughs) and see if you find the chocolate? Now, here's the thing. Some of you might have missed out. Some of you might have missed out. By design, the plan was, here was the plan, and praise be to Robin, this is his generous heart, let's put a chocolate under every seat for everyone. And thanks to those who did it. But sometimes the sticky didn't stick, and some of them fell down. There was something else that happened today. We had a family service at uh, 10 a.m. And what we didn't count on was that some of our younger friends might take their chocolate and then go hunting on some of the other seats and take those chocolates too. So here's the illustration by design. By design, everybody gets a chocolate because that's how it works with God. God never skips leg day. He hasn't forgotten anybody. If you're like, oh, God hasn't given me gifts, I'm going to tell you this. He says he has. So right now you have a problem. God says he has, and you might be saying he hasn't. One of you's not right. I'll leave that with you. So some of you might have missed out on chocolate due to circumstance, and I'm kind of glad about that. Because by design, just like with God, everyone got a gift. But in the wild, as we functioned, some dysfunction caused some gifts not to be received. Because some people took more than they should have. Some dysfunction with sticky tape happened. Stuff got weird. Some didn't even look. Things got weird, and maybe right now you think there wasn't a gift for you. You know, so many church conferences I've been to with other church leaders, everyone reports the same statistic from their church. They call it the 80-20. And again, this isn't to embarrass anyone, just to make us aware. The 80-20 is that 80% of ministry and 80% of giving comes from 20% of the people at the church. Again, that's not to embarrass anyone. We're at different, different stages of faith. But you should be aware. This is like skipping leg day. 80% of giving, 80% of ministry from 20% of most churches' congregations. And at the same time, we have this God where nobody gets missed. Have a look at verse 18 on the screen. 
But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God knows what we need, and he's equipped all of us to play our role. No one got missed out. We only get missed out when we make mistakes, like we made mistakes with these chocolates today, and I hope you are enjoying them. Nobody got missed out. And here's the other thing. You can't eject yourself. So verse 16 tells us if the ear says, oh, because I'm not that part of the body, I'm not part of the body, you can't do that. So you might say, oh, I'm not like them. I don't have that great gift. I'm not really one of them. No, you are. Because what makes you one of them or the body is not how amazing your talent is, but that you were baptized into the Spirit and given one Spirit to drink, verse 13, and that you have declared Christ as Lord. That's what matters most. You can't eject yourself, nor can you be ejected. And so as we think about this 80-20 issue, I have some M words for you to ponder. I don't know if I'm 100% right. I'll preface that. But here's what I think is worth thinking about. M word number one is mobilize. Some of us need to mobilize. Not out of duty or oughtness, but to recognize that God truly has gifted you. God truly has a space for you. As we heard from Robin, try something, talk to someone, have a go. Mobilize. Some of you, need to hear a different M word, moderates. One of the challenges for an 80-20 is when the 20 keep rescuing the 80. Some of you might need to let some things fail or some things die or some things not work that we might see as a body. Ooh, 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 that's always happened. That's because 20% have always rescued. Now, you might think, this sounds ridiculous. Are you asking us to become dysfunctional? Maybe. Because 80-20 causes us to be functioning, but I'm not sure it causes us to be beautiful. God's design for the body of Christ is that it would be proportionate, that all would play. And so sure, if you want functionality, then 20%, please keep killing yourselves. Please keep doing everything. If you want beauty, then prayerfully, you might need to think about some moderation about how can I maybe go, well, before I rescue that, who can I talk to and encourage to come alongside that I might duplicate myself? And the final M is meditate. Meditate on verses like Ephesians 4, 11, 13. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30 tells us this list about apostles and prophets and all these kinds of different roles that God's given in the church. Well, Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 tells us what they're there for. And it's not to do everything. Some have been given to be uh, prophets and apostles and pastor teachers and evangelists. Why? Because they're the super Christians. What you do is you just step out of the way and you watch them go. No, they're there to equip God's people for works of service. To send people to Finland. God bless you, sister, as you go. Thank you, Rod. Hey, to do these kinds of things where we spread things out and we see disciples grow up and servants of the Lord mature. Sometimes I look at my life group leader or my fuel leader and I'm like, that's all right, they've got it, they'll do everything. Before you do that, 
meditate on why are they there. They're not there to be Christian for you. They're there to help you be all you can be. When a church adds members to its ministry team, it's not so finally they can do that ministry. It's so that someone with insight, some eldership and some expertise might continue to coach us to be all we can be under God. They're not the star new marquee signing that we go, great, now we've signed you up, evangelism is going to happen. Not how it works. Not by God's design. Might be functionally okay, but it's not beautiful as God designed. So what is beauty? Beauty is when the body is all about the body. Have a look at the screen. This is my next and final point. The body is beautiful when it's for the body. And here's a real challenge. Look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, which says this. If I speak in the tongues of angels, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Here Paul is saying, look, you can do all this stuff, but if it's not done in love, then sure, it might be functional, but it's not beautiful. So what is beautiful? How does God's body look beautiful? How does the body of Christ, the church, look beautiful? Let me ask you another question. If I asked you, what's the difference between a spiritual gift and a talent? How would you answer the question? What's the difference between a spiritual gift, as we've been reflecting on, and just being good at something? Are they the same? I would contend they're not. Spiritual gifts are for the glory of Jesus, because they start with that wonderful, striking sign, Jesus is Lord. Spiritual gifts don't skip leg day. They're proportionate and shared amongst Christ's people. And spiritual gifts are for the body. And so here's the thing that I've learned in my life and I believe the scriptures say. Gifts can be seasonal. They're not ours. I wonder if it's worth recalibrating our language of my gifts, which I think pushes us into some kind of sanctified self-centeredness when this was all about the body, to rather than speak of my gifts, maybe I ask, where is my capacity to serve? So where is the need? And am I able to fill it? Guess what? That just became a spiritual gift. But I'm not a rock star at that. Was there a need? Did you have capacity to serve and fill it? Guess what? Spiritual gift. Now, if you are a rock star at that, so much the better. But before we get wound up on sensational ministry, let's remember complex culture, simple ministry. Go where the need is. Go and serve. What am I able to do? And so here's where I conclude. The body of Christ is beautiful when it's visually striking with diverse people united in one confession. The body of Christ is beautiful when it's well-proportioned working together. And the body of Christ is beautiful when its members value one another. As a body, we have an opportunity to celebrate our unity and diversity with the Lord's Supper. I need to pray for a sec because I do need a brain break. I think you might too. (laughs) 
Let me lead us in prayer and then lead us in the Lord's Supper. Hmm. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for these three weeks that we've sat in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, thinking about building the body beautiful. Lord God, we have no place in this body except because of the love of Jesus, because of his sacrifice. Lord God, we don't even recognize that apart from the work of your Holy Spirit. It softens our hearts, opens our eyes, brings us to life that we might make the good confession that Jesus is Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this striking, visual, real sign of spirituality, the confession that Jesus is Lord and that confession taking hold of our entire lives. Father, we thank you that in your great love, You haven't forgotten anybody, but all who call upon the name of Jesus have received the greatest gift. And further, all who call upon the name of Jesus, you've invited into his body, his church, that they might have acts of service for one another. And so, Father God, we thank you that you've equipped us, enabled us, and given us opportunities to serve in this way. Heavenly Father, we confess to you now the times where the spaces where you have enabled us in really powerful ways and equipped us in really special ways might have got the better of us and become our own little idols, our own little cities that we're proud of. And rather than sought to serve the body, we've sought to exercise our skill. Heavenly Father, let us not fall into the trap of confusing a spiritual gift and a simple talent. Would your Holy Spirit, who we've been baptized in and given to drink, remind us once again of the kind of sacrificial other person's service that our Lord Jesus taught us, for it is his body that we've been called into. We pray in his name. Amen.